Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Well, tonight is the book of Revelation. This is session four, framework of the book. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend a couple of different sessions coming at the concept of the framework uh, from a, a couple of different directions. Uh, next week, I believe, uh, we're going to actually go through chapter by chapter and just give like a quick, what's going on in this chapter, what's going on in this chapter, do that all the way through. But tonight, even before we go into a chapter by chapter, I want to talk about kind of the, the overall uh, flow of the book of Revelation and give us some uh, interpretive keys that I think will be helpful uh, to our study. And so uh, if you guys are in the notes here, uh, you can see on uh, page one that Roman numeral one says the four part structure of Revelation. Now, I mean, who knows how many parts God says it is? So I'm not trying to say this is like there's only four parts. I'm just trying to say, let's talk about it this way. Okay. And so uh, I've got four parts that I want us to, to look at and that I want to identify. And the reason that I've packaged it this way is I think this makes it very easy to understand where you're at in the book and kind of what's going on when we approach uh, the book of Revelation, 22 chapters, when we approach it from this uh, perspective or from this uh, viewpoint. And so that's kind of my hope here tonight, okay? And I want to tell you that really, if you want to get overly simple, it's really just two. It's a lot of introduction stuff, and then it's the story. It's a lot of introduction coming from a number of different angles, and then all the remaining chapters, after some uh, various angles of introduction, all the remaining chapters are then talking about the battle plan that Jesus has for the end of the age, okay? So if you want to get overly simplistic, it's just two. But we're going to go a little broader than that, and we're going to break down the first uh, five chapters into three clusters, okay? So uh, again, what I'm just trying to do in this series is just get us comfortable with Revelation. I don't want it being weird and far off and ununderstandable. I want us to be familiar enough with these verses, these ideas, that we can start to talk about Revelation in a conversation with each other and know where we're at. And uh, the only way to do that is to just look at it again and again and again. So, uh, letter A here on page one is John's call to prophesy about the end. So in the book of Revelation, chapter one, we see here Revelation 1-4, John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. We see John inserting his part in the story. He's saying, listen, I'm going to tell you some stuff that I saw and that I heard. I want to introduce the book of Revelation to you. So if you want to, you could call Revelation chapter 1. You could call that John's introduction. That's John saying, hey, I got to tell you a bunch of crazy stuff. Let me tell you where I was at when this happened. Let me tell you the one who revealed it to me. Let me give you some information. So chapter 1, you could call John's call uh, to prophesy about the end. It's John's introduction, if you will. All right? Pretty simple, right? Chapter 1, John's introduction. All right? Well, after that is chapter 2 and chapter 3. Now, in another sense, you could really call this Jesus' introduction. Because in chapter 2 and in chapter 3, Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches. And these seven letters are Jesus now really introducing the themes of the book of Revelation. But he does it in a dual timing sort of a way. 
Because uh, if you know a little bit about these seven letters, Jesus writes these seven letters to seven churches. They're real churches that were really around during Jesus' day. But all the stuff that Jesus is writing to them about are a prophetic picture of what the church is going to face in the last days. They were real about that hour. They were intentional about those seven churches. Jesus was writing to those seven churches and telling them real stuff that really matters. But he's also writing, if you will, these seven letters kind of as a wholeness, that number seven being, you know, fullness, wholeness, the full purposes of God. He's now writing these seven letters, not just to those seven churches, but remember in Revelation 1.1, it said that John was given this revelation to show the church what must soon take place. The entire book of Revelation is a prophecy about the end. Even stuff that's about right then is also dual, a prophecy about the end. The entire book of Revelation is a prophecy about the end. So now in chapters 2 and 3, when Jesus is writing these letters, though they were for the churches in that hour, they're a prophecy to the church at the end times, talking to the church about the problems we're going to be facing. Persecution, difficulty, compromise, the the lack of first love sort of relationship. These are the things that Jesus is introducing, and chapter 2 and 3, after John did his introduction, now Jesus is doing his introduction, and he's saying, listen, church. These are the things that are going to really matter to you. These are the principles you're going to want to hold on to. These are the ways that you're going to be able to navigate the storm of the storyline that you're about to be told here in the coming chapters. You're going to need these principles. You're going to need to to feel these things and understand these things so that you don't lose your way when these difficulties hit. Okay? So chapter 2 and 3 is really Jesus as a pastor trying to prepare us for the rest of the information. Trying to get us ready for what is about to unfold in the rest of the book of Revelation. you got to love it when John the Beloved gives us an introduction, and he's trying to help us see it. And then Jesus gives us an introduction, he's trying to help us see it. And then the third part. So chapters 1 is John's introduction. 2 and 3 is Jesus' introduction. Then in chapters 4 and 5, we go into heaven. We go into heaven and we see a a scene. When you look around the scene of heaven uh, in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, you're seeing heaven as it actually is. I mean, you're seeing details about heaven. But what's interesting in chapter 4 and 5 is there's a specific moment in time that's a future moment that hasn't happened yet that is being described in chapter 4 and 5. So yes, the context of 4 and 5 is a literal throne room in heaven that really looks that way right now. It looked that way a thousand years ago. It'll look that way in a long time from now. Chapters 4 and 5 describe the throne room, but it's describing a specific thing happening in the throne room. A specific moment in time happening in the throne room, and that specific moment is in the future. That specific moment is when Jesus begins to real-time start the time clock of the events of the end times. You know, if you ever think about, uh, you've got a family vacation coming up, growing up. You know, imagine you, you're, you know, seven, eight, ten years old, and you're being told, we're going to go to Disney World or wherever, whatever cool place. And you're told about it for weeks or months ahead of time. And you've been planning, you've been packing, you got all your stuffed animals all lined up, all ready to go in the car. you got your pillow. I mean, you're ready, you're thinking about it, you're all excited. But you don't actually load up and start driving to Disney whatever until the day. All right? Everything up until that point is prep, get ready. It's all real, but it's future. There is coming a moment when Jesus is going to begin to execute the plan. 
That moment transpires in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, chapter 5 specifically. Okay? So what we have is an introduction in chapter 1 from John who cares about what's going on. He wants to tell us what this book is about. We have an introduction from Jesus. Guys, you're going to need to know this information. I'm Pastor Jesus. I'm telling you how you're going to navigate the end times. It's important. And then we have a window into heaven where we see the events that unfold right before Jesus starts to execute the game plan. Okay? We tracking with Revelation 1 through 5? We got, we got it so far? All right? Now, that's the first three sections. You go, wow, there's a whole lot of chapters left. Yes, the good news is the bulk of Revelation, after all the introduction stuff, after getting a picture into the starting, the bulk of Revelation is all about the story. And this makes it very simple. Now that you know this, when you read Revelation again, you won't be lost. You go, okay, I'm in chapter 1. I know what's going on. It's John's introduction. Chapter 2 and 3, it says Jesus talking to the church, trying to get us ready. Chapter 4 and 5, we're looking into the throne room right before all the stuff starts to hit. Chapter 6 is when it starts to hit. And chapter 6 through 22 is the end time battle plan of Jesus Christ. It is the revelation of his battle strategy. Chapter 6 through 22, it's the unfolding of the plan. So really, chapters 1 through 5, it's all get ready for the end times, get ready for the end times, get ready for the end times. 6 through 22, it's the end times. You guys with me so far? And, and it would be kind of the Lord to give us that much introduction for how much intensity and crazy stuff we're going to read in chapter 6 through 22, all right? It is good of the Lord to have given us that much prep work and, and uh, preparation for us to be able to see what's coming, okay? So, in uh, Revelation 20, I'm, I'm sorry, 6 through 22, it's the battle strategy. Now, if you're in the notes here, I'm on page 2, part D, Jesus' battle plan, all right? In Jesus' battle plan... This is how the, the uh, great tribulation judgments are going to be released against the Antichrist kingdom. I mean, if you just needed like a, a little snapshot over the storyline, the storyline of Revelation, after you get through all the intro stuff we just talked about, one through five, the storyline of Revelation is Jesus judging the Antichrist. That's what's going on. Now, there's a little bit more that we'll interpret. I mean, we're only on page two of the notes here, so I'll fill in some blanks. But if you needed just kind of a general, what is happening in the book of Revelation after the introduction? It's Jesus judging the bad guy. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. Jesus destroying everything that hinders love. Jesus removing every wicked thing from the earth. Jesus judging sin, judging the Antichrist, judging all the things that are trying to destroy his bride. You know, there's so much martyrdom in the book of Revelation. Jesus is judging all those that were martyring his, his saints. That's what the book of Revelation is about. In any, if anything, the book of Revelation is Jesus having our back. It's Jesus coming and standing for his church and saying, that's all I can stand. I will not tolerate anymore. And he begins to release real time the most powerful, painful, difficult, unbelievable. The scope has never been anything that we can compare. Judgments. He's releasing them one after another against the Antichrist government. That's what's happening in the book of Revelation. This is actually really good news for us. This is Jesus standing up for his bride. 
and releasing judgments on those that were judging his church. Okay? All right, so that's, uh, that's just kind of a little bit of a run-through, right? No problem. We got it. That's easy. You got the book of Revelation now. You know how to get through chapters 1 through 5. You know what's happening. And then you know chapter 6 through the end of the book. It's the story. Now, let's talk a little bit about the story. Because remember I told you that there were four you know, uh, primary sections or, or parts, rather. There are four parts to the book of Revelation, and we just went through those four parts. But I told you the last part is really big. 6 through 22, that's a lot of chapters. We need to figure out how to break down 6 through 22 a little better than we just did. All right? In 6 through 22, all right, are you guys with me so far? If you're with me, nod. I'm trying to make this pretty simple. Okay. All right. 6 through 22 is a little bit more complicated. Not a lot more, but a little bit more complicated. Okay? 6 through 22, in order for God to give the church the storyline, he does two things, and these two things are brilliant. But if you don't know how to read, if you're not reading and knowing or paying attention to these details, then chapter 6 through 22, you can get a little dizzy if you're not careful. I'm going to tell you how to not be dizzy. There's two things happening in chapters 6 through 22, and they happen back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Two things. One, the story is being told of the tribulation period. Jesus says, I'm going to do this, and after that, I'm going to do this, and after that, I'm going to do this. The story is being told. The story of the end times is being told in chronological order. That is really good news. That is very, very helpful. The story is being told in chronological order. First, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. Chapter 6 through 22. Great news. This is really great news. Here's the part that people get hung up on, and it's really not that confusing. And the keys are in the text, and I'll give you the keys. Here's the other thing that happens. Many times, an angel pulls John aside in the middle of the story being told. This thing happens, then this thing happens. An angel pulls John aside and says, more or less, hey, John, you having a heart attack? Yes, I'm having a heart attack. What in the world is going on? This is so much. And an angel gives John additional explanation and pauses the story. You guys ever seen a, a play where the narrator will come out on stage in the middle of the act? There's something going on, and all of a sudden, like, they, they have everybody all on the stage freeze, and the lights kind of dim, and then the guy walks out, and the narr- or the narrator's maybe standing over on the side. They highlight the narrator, and now the narrator starts telling you more stuff that's a little bit of backstory, helping explain what's going on in the stage, maybe some of their emotions and some of those kinds of things. And then as soon as he's done saying his bit, he phases out, and all the actors start acting again. That's what's happening in the book of Revelation, chapter 6 through 22. There are these angelic asides, or you could call them angelic explanations. And let me tell you, there's real good reasons why these angel, this angel or these angels are giving these explanations. The situation is so intense. There is so much going on. Someone needs to stop and give additional details about what's happening. Okay? So what is occurring in the book of Revelation is, yes, a chronological storyline in chapter 6 through 22. Yes, a chronological storyline, but with many pauses. Pause. Let me tell you some more information. Start. More chronology. Pause. Let me tell you some information. Start. Here's some more chronology. You guys tracking with me? Is that pretty simple? Is that a pretty simple concept? Okay. So chapter 6 through 22 
There is a chronological storyline being told, but an angel regularly pushes pause and explains more details that are very pertinent to what's going on even in that chapter. And then the storyline begins again, all right? So how do we know where we're at? How do we navigate this? Again, part, the top of page three, I gave you chronological sections and angelic explanations. That's more or less what I just said, okay? There's the chronolog uh, chronological sections, and they're interrupted by these angelic explanations. Now, let's talk a little bit about how we know. How would we even know that that's happening, okay? I'm going to start with part B on page three, uh, part, number three, page three, bottom of page three, the 21 judgment events. The backbone of the storyline of the book of Revelation. This is a really, really important detail. I'm telling you, if you need to have any takeaway tonight, it's this one. The backbone of the storyline of Revelation, again, chapter 6 through 22. The backbone is 21 horrible things. The backbone of the, of the book of Revelation is 21 judgments from God on bad guys. 21 judgments. They are numeric and they are sequential. This makes it very easy to know where we're at in the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation says things like, and the first seal was released. And then the second seal was released. And then the third seal was released. And you know what happens after the third seal? The fourth seal was released. And finally, the seals are done. And then it says the first trumpet was blown. The second trumpet was blown all the way to the seventh. And then after the seventh trumpet, it says the first bowl was poured out. The second bowl was... I'm telling you, God made this so easy for us. My four-year-old can count to seven. We can do this. We can do this, people. We can do this. It's three judgment series. Each of them have seven judgments in it. God's so kind. He made it so easy. It's not like the first one's got four and then the second one's got 42 and the third one's got three. He made it so simple. Seven, 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 bad. Worse, horrifically bad. Three judgment series, seven in each series. You guys tracking with me? Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls of wrath. If you know that, you can read Revelation and make sense of it. They're in order. And they say they're in order and they appear in order. So you go, one of the revising seven seals, one of the revising seven trumpets, one of the revising seven bowls. Done. The storyline of the book of Revelation, chapter 6 through 22, the storyline, the main storyline is Jesus releasing 21 incredibly horrific, wide-scale, global judgments against the Antichrist. That's what the book of Revelation is. And every one of those judgments, it actually says in the book of Revelation multiple times, right after God releases some crazy judgment, it says the saints in heaven and the angels in heaven cry out, just and true are your ways, talking about that horrible thing that just killed a billion people. For real. The saints will rejoice in the judgments of God. The saints are not the subject of judgments. The saints will go, you're right to do this. I mean, they were so mean and so bad and killed so many and martyred so many. You were right to release this judgment. The book of Revelation has 21 primary judgments in it, and they are labeled, they are numbered, they are sequential. It's three judgment series of seven, seven, and seven. Now that you know that, and you know that's the story, 
That's the backbone. That's the primary storyline is these 21 judgments unfolding in order. One, two, three, five, seven, one, two, three, five, seven, one, two, three, five, seven. Now that you know that, you don't need to be bothered when an angel steps in and says, hey, John, I need to push pause on that for a second. I need to tell you some more about what's going on with the church. I need to tell you some more about what's going on with the Antichrist government. I need to explain to you why these judgments are so severe. I need you to have a window into how bad these guys are. When the angel stops the story and gives an angelic explanation, it's not on accident. It's on purpose with good reason. These statements are there to help us understand the severity, help us to understand what the church is going to be doing in, those hour, in that hour, help us to understand what our heart's response is supposed to be, help us to understand how deserving of judgment that, that government, that system, those people are. The angel is not wasting his breath. He's explaining the context so that the judgments make sense. Without the explanations, these judgments seem like God, like, lost his way, and now he's just a mean, mad God. God somehow got bad. I don't know. He's like, he was great. He was all like, you know, meek lamb and everything was great. And now all of a sudden, God is a bad God. Because these 21 judgments are so intense. Literally, over half of the human population will die in these judgments. Literally. And it's God doing it, not a bad person. It's God. And you just look at that and you go, how can I rectify God killing half of the planet? How, can I, how is God still good? The angelic explanations explain how bad the situation is. The angelic uh, explanations, the sides that the, that the angel's giving, are giving insight into how we're navigating this as a church. How the, the lost world is responding to God's judgments. Do you know what happens when God judges? What's supposed to happen is repentance. The Bible in, in the book of Revelation again and again says they refuse to repent. They refuse to repent. In fact, they refuse to repent and they refuse to stop murdering as a main thing that they do every day. They refuse to stop murdering. They were all about murder. Now, when you put that together, you go, okay, well, I guess, I guess we've really reached a new level of difficulty here on the planet. When we talk about the end times as the most difficult time in human history, the book of Revelation gives us cultural context. It lets us see into life in the culture of the earth. And understand how dire the situation is, how bad it's really escalated to, and why God now must judge or God is unjust. It actually challenges the justice of God to not deal with the sin and the iniquity. So we're talking about chapter 6 through 22. It's 21 judgments with several pauses, several, to say, let me tell you what else is going on. Let me tell you what else you need to know. Let me tell you what else uh, you're looking forward to. Let me tell you what else you're going to need to be uh, comforted by. What else you can expect. Yes, there's going to be these bad things, but let me tell you about these guys that are going to come help you. Let me tell you about your eternal inheritance in heaven. Let me tell you about these things so that you have hope so that you can make it through all the difficulty and the trial of this. Okay, so we with you, you got it? The fourth part of the book of Revelation is chapter 6 through 22. In that part, there's a lot of chapters, 6 through 22. In that part, the primary backbone storyline is the judgment events, the three uh, judgment uh, series that are numbered, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls of wrath. In that storyline, however, that is unfolding across chapter 6 through 22, 
an angel comes in and stops the story eight times or something and says, let me stop you and tell you some more stuff that you're going to need to know. You with me? All right, pretty simple, simple enough. If it's not simple enough, it's written down there for your reference, okay? Now, I want to draw our attention back to uh, Roman numeral three. I want to draw our attention real quick to a key phrase that is one of the first key phrases in the book of Revelation to helping us understand where we're at and how do we know something different's happening. I mean, I just got done saying the angel pauses stuff and like we transition. How do we know that? I mean, I could just be making that up. In the scripture, the phrases are in there that are transitional statements. Let me give you a great one. John is having this encounter with Jesus in chapters uh, two and three. He's being told to write down these letters to these seven churches. But then it says in Revelation 4.1, after this I looked. In Revelation 4.1, I just want to read that. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and a voice that I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must soon take place after this. This is John now having a transition. Okay? He was doing some stuff. He was saying some stuff. And now it says, after this, I looked. Now it's, it's a transition. This is when he's invited up into heaven. There are phrases like this. After this, something else happened. After this, I looked. Oh, oh and a door opened and I, I was invited into heaven. After this, this happened. There are transitional phrases that are in the text on purpose to get us understanding we were going this way and now we're not anymore. Now we're doing something different. After this, after this stuff that I was told, I looked and now I was given new information from a new direction. Now this stuff took place in heaven. And so then, right after that, now he's in heaven experiencing chapters four and five. You guys remember, I told you chapter four and five, it's the throne room reality. Well, there was a transitional statement that's just, it's the first one in there. So I, I wanted to highlight it. It's not the only, there are many transitional statements where John is writing the book of Revelation and he's giving us key phrases, and I'll list out a few more, where he's giving us key phrases that tell us something new is happening, something different is happening, something that is different than what I was just talking about is now taking place, okay? And if you read the term, after this I looked and I saw something, that would be a key indicator to you, whether you're reading, you know, a novel or you're reading the Bible, that something new is happening, okay? So you want to pay attention to those. All right, so now let's skip down. Oh, real quick, uh, part C, top of page four. I just gave you the seals, trumpets, and bowls. I just gave you three verses or three little uh, sections there that talk about them being ordered, numbered, numeric, sequential. I mean, it just says it right there. I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. So how many seals are there? Seven. He's opening the first. Then it says, then the lamb opened the second seal. The lamb opened the third seal, the fourth seal. I mean, that's Bible verses right there, okay? So I'm just trying to show you these seven seals, trumpets, and bowls, like that's not made up. Like that's right there, okay? There's seven of them in each sequence and they're in order and you can go read it for yourself, but I wanted to give you those so that you could see that. All right, let's talk about some phrases that identify the transition, all right? So first we're going to talk about phrases used to move into a chronological section. You remember chapter 6 through 22? There's two types of sections. 
One section is chronological information. This seal, this seal, this seal, this seal. There's chronological sections, information that's happening in chronological order. But there's also the angelic explanations that are going to break the chronology. They're going to push a pause. Okay? How do we know when we're going from one type to the next? How do we know that? First, phrases used to move into a chronological section. Remember? Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. So we're looking for phrases that say, hey, I'm going to start talking about seals now. Hey, I'm still talking about seals. I'm talking about the second seal or the third seal, the fourth seal. So here's Revelation 6.1. The lamb opened the first of the seven seals. You're in a chronological section. Because the main storyline of the book is these 21 judgment events. So if it's a phrase that says, I saw the seven angels and they were given seven trumpets. This is talking about the chronology of events. If you read a line that says the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, you know you're, you're in the chronology. If you see one that says, I saw seven angels with the last seven plagues, you know you're in the chronology. If you see something that says, after this I heard, uh, Justin Truer is judgments, because it's now talking about the, those, those 21 judgments. If you're reading phrases that are describing the 21 judgments, that are like addressing them, you're in the chronology. You're in the chronological sections. And those phrases are used to start sections, and they're also used to push play again when the angel pushes pause. So now what we need to do is we need to spend a minute and talk about what are the phrases when we're in the chronology. We're doing seals. We're at seal three or five, you know. What are the phrases that take us out of the chronology and into an angelic uh, explanation? What are those phrases? They're really easy. Part C. Revelation 7, 1. After this, I saw four angels. Revelation 10, 1. Then, 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 I saw another mighty angel. Revelation 12, 1. A great and wondrous sign appeared. You remember I told you in uh, one of the sessions earlier on, that the, the book of Revelation is mostly straightforward. It says what it means, unless it's a symbol. And there are a few places that say, hey, I'm a symbol, I'm a symbol. Those symbols all occur in the, uh, the angelic asides, in the angelic explanations. All of the symbols, all the what's going on here, all those visions of uh, a, a, you know, a, a dragon or the woman or whatever else is happening that's one of these symbols, they all occur when an angel is explaining more prophetic information to John. Okay? One of the angels said, come to me and I will show you this something else. So now an angel's saying, hey, you've been paying attention, you've been doing this, stop what you're doing and come with me. I want to show you something different. I know this might take a minute to start to like get these phrases rooted in you. Here's the, here's the main thing that I would just advise. If you're like, I can't, none of those phrases immediately stick out to me. That's okay. Here's all you really need to do. Next time you read the book of Revelation, just ask yourself the question. Am I still in the storyline or has there been anything to indicate that I'm not? And you'll see phrases all throughout the book of Revelation that are, that are going to be cues to you to say, I'm transitioning. I'm telling you something else. And when you see those, you're going back and forth, back and forth between the chronological sections and the angelic uh, explanations. All right? So part five, making a connection between the section types. <clears throat> Got just four minutes here, so I'm going to go pretty quick. Part A 
is a flow of the in and the out of the chronology. So if you just wanted to know where are the starting points and the stopping points, I gave you all of them. They're right there. So Revelate, uh, I'm sorry, so uh, page five, Roman numeral five, letter A is the flow in and out of all of the chronological sections and all of the angelic explanations. It's right there. And you can go back and I would encourage you, don't believe me, but go look at that as an index and go prove it yourself. And go, oh, oh, yeah, I do see that. Okay, yeah, I do. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Or, no, nah, that doesn't make sense. Brad's on crack. So just go and look at this stuff on your own and figure out, like, pay attention to those details. But I gave them to you. What I'm going to do now is I am going to break down those remaining chapters 6 through 22 chapters. I'm going to break them down into chunks of chronological angelic explanation. Chronological angelic explanation. Because there are five, this is the last number you need to remember if you want to remember numbers, in chapters 6 through 22, remember that's the bulk of the book, you guys all with me? Bulk of the book, the majority of the book, it's all about the end time judgments. There are five chronological sections. There's not six, there's not 20, there's five. That's not so hard. What that means is, all the rest of it is angelic explanation, Okay? These five sections. So what I want to do now is I want to pair the chronological section and then the, the angel that comes and explains more information. I want to pair these five groupings throughout the rest of the book of Revelation. I want to pair them for you so that you can see how the angelic explanation actually helps interpret the chronology. You guys with me? All right, here we go. The first chronological portion is chapter 6. We see Jesus releasing the sealed judgments against the kingdom of darkness. And this is immediately followed by an angelic explanation in chapter 7. Where we receive information about how God will divinely protect his people from the judgments. And how he is going to release these judgments during the great tribulation period. Well, that's helpful. You're going to release these judgments. Ah, what are we going to do? No, don't worry. I got you guys. Here's a little aside. Let me give you an explanation. You're going to be fine. I'm going to take care of you through this. We're going to work through this. I got you. That's helpful. Then the second chronological portion starts in chapter 8, where we see seven angels that stand before the throne in heaven. They start releasing the trumpet judgments against the Antichrist empire that it's totally destroying the Antichrist uh, government, his infrastructure, his, his supply lines. It's, it's destroying stuff. This is immediately followed by an angelic explanation. Chapters 10 and 11. What's it about? It's encouraging us about the unprecedented increase of the prophetic ministry, which will also come during that same dire time. While the, while the Antichrist is getting the, the tar beat out of him, the prophetic ministry is going to increase incredibly in the earth. That's where we find the two witnesses. The two witnesses show up in part of the angel's explanation of how the church is going to survive this very difficult time. You're going to have the prophetic witness of the two witnesses and not just them. There's going to be the prophetic unction resting on the church. It's part of the way that the angel is helping explain what's happening in that time period. Next, we're back now to chapter 11, end of uh, middle of 11. It's a war between light and darkness. In this third chronological portion, begins in chapter 11, I gave you the verses. We see the events. Remember, we added the verses and the chapters. Humans did. God didn't write in those chapters, the chapter breaks. We added those. And I'm glad we did because it helps us talk about them. But not every time did we always add the chapters right where they probably should have gone. Okay? And that's okay. 
I mean, I'm still glad we have those chapters. So don't get hung up on, well, but that's not what chapter three is about. Like we made up chapter three. I mean, the, the, the statements are true and in order, but we broke up the verses and, and the, the, uh, the chapters. Okay, so don't get hung up on that. But anyway, in chapter 11 there, we see the events of the second coming procession. This is when Jesus is coming back. This is pretty powerful. Where Jesus commences a hostile takeover of the earth and replaces all the bad governments with his good guys. We see him start to do this in chapter uh, 11. This is followed immediately in chapters 12 through 14 by an angelic explanation. This explanation is the other side of the fight. This explanation is how the Antichrist is fighting, how he is raging. Chapters 12 through 14 describe what is going on on the other side of the fight as the Antichrist has a violent confrontation against the saints, is attacking and martyring the saints, and, and uh, not excited about this Jesus overthrow thing. All right, then, the fourth chronological section. Now, it's chapters 15 and 16. In this, we see the bowls of wrath, the bowl judgments. They're now being released, and they're destroying the rest of the infrastructure, society. I mean, it's, they are coming. They're destroying a very large portion of the population, and it's immediately followed by an angelic explanation. This angelic explanation is chapter 17 and 18, and it's all about the harlot Babylon. You go, why does that matter? The harlot Babylon is described in chapter 17 and 18 as the most horrific cultural reality in the earth. Filled with murder and witchcraft and adultery and every sort of you know, abominable thing. And it's the angel explaining to John and the church, here's why the bowls of wrath were so important. Here's why it makes sense. This is the culture of the earth. It's either saved or this. I had to pour out the bowls. Look at the context of the planet. The planet has devolved into this state. Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Then... The fifth chronological section, chapters 19 through 20. Jesus making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. The final moment, he's come in, he's conquering the earth, he's coming in real time, he's walking into Jerusalem. It's just so exciting, this is so cool. And then the question you might start to ask after he judges the Antichrist, the question might be then asked, what's next? What are we going to do after this? And the angel then has an angelic aside, has one of these angelic explanations, and he takes John aside and he says, let me tell you what else is going to happen. Let me show you heaven in the next age. Let me show you chapters 21 and 22. Let me show you what heaven is going to look like and how the earth is going to interact with heaven and how the church is going to be in the midst of all that. All right. That was a lot of information. I hope you stuck with it. If not, you got the notes. Let's break up into some discussions. If I can have my uh, discussion group leaders, everybody stand and wave. We got Jeremy over here, Caitlin right here, Andy in the back. Castle's going to be here. Luke's going to move over here. Okay. How many uh, in, in the groups tonight, Andy? Did we get a number? Okay. Let's say eight. If you wind up with 10, somebody needs to leave. All right. So, uh, so uh, why don't you guys uh, start to group up? Okay. The, uh, the discussion group leaders have already got their questions ready to go. And then at the end of this, we'll regroup and uh, do a little bit of question. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We're going to do our questions now. Um, so, uh, Andy, whatever we do for, have we been putting this back up on Facebook Live or we have not been? Are we still live now? 
Oh, that part. Okay, that's, that's good. All right, good to know. Okay. So, uh, okay. Well, so we'll start over here. Hey, and I just want to say, I know that tonight, while I, I, I did my best to try to make it simple, I know that tonight was a little heady. I know that, like, there was a lot of information there. But if you'll just go back and look at this information three times, you'll have it. And, and this is probably the, the most, you know, heady of all of the different uh, ones that we're going to cover it at, at any point in this uh, series because it, we just we got to get that detail down about the difference between the chronological sections and then an angel telling us more details. Okay, so we're going to start over here with Luke. Uh, okay, so the question, and I'm repeating it because we want to make sure that it's, uh, people can hear it online and such. Um, the question is, uh, we've talked a little bit about the fact that there are different groups that believe completely different ideas about the book of Revelation. Um, uh, are there different groups that believe uh, completely different things about the chronology, uh, if I can say it that way? Um, so... Uh, I would say that probably um, when it comes to the chronology, the, the, um, the only thing that I've heard that people would uh, say that would be different than the, the chronology uh, structured the way that we presented it today is actually that it's not chronological at all and that all three judgment series are three versions of the same events. So I've, I've heard that and it's... Uh, it's um, there's a lot of reasons why I, I can't understand why anyone would, would believe that. Um, uh, but, uh, but that's the only other thing I've heard to conflict the chronology, uh, or to re, um, uh, approach the chronology. Uh, so, uh, but anybody that's, that's looking at it and just kind of taking it at plain face value and it's like, there are seven seals. So how many seals are there? Probably like 29 brother, you know, cause seven could mean anything. It's like, I mean, if, if we just read, now there's seven seals, okay? The first one is this, the second one is this, the third one is this. I mean, they're in order. I mean, it's, it's kind of pretty simple. Um, so uh, so it, the short answer would be, I mean, I guess there could be different camps out there, but I've not heard of them. Uh, typically, the, uh, uh, the, if there's any differing of opinion, uh, it, it tends to be thinking that the three judgment series are, the first seal is the first trumpet is the first bowl. And it's uh, that you have to do so many theological gymnastics to make that work. It's unbelievable because, I mean, there's things that say in this seal, one third of the earth get affected. And then that equivalent trumpet says in this one, you know, uh, one, one third, the other one will be one fourth. Uh, you know, th there is one fourth in this trumpet or in this uh tr yeah trumpet and then in this bowl of wrath it's one third it's like well really it's because the angels can't count and i mean it's <laughs> so I, i'm sorry i'm trying not to be horsey about it but it, it is so bizarre to me to approach uh those judgment series that seem that are so clearly labeled the first through seven the first through seven the first through seven and to try to make them mean something else so hopefully that was helpful andy Yeah. 
Yeah. So the question is, uh, when's the rapture? Uh, if we're talking about these 21 judgment events, when's the rapture? Okay. Uh, we're going to spend a whole session talking about that. Actually, it'll probably wind up being three sessions um, that we'll spend talking about that uh, because it's a fascinating subject, not because it's confusing. Um, the, the real answer that people really want to know, the real, an- the real question that people really want to know is, how many of these bad things am I going to be around for and have to dodge so I don't die? You will not die when God is the one with the gun. Okay? But God can shoot the guy next to you and you not die. All right? So the judgments are against those that take the mark of the beast. The judgments are not against the church. The judgments are actually Jesus sticking out his chest and going, you are not touching my church anymore. So the church will not be experiencing the judgments even though the neighbor who took the mark of the beast will be. So that's the real question that I think is being asked when most time when it's brought up. Uh, the, um, the, the short answer, I guess, is at the end of the three and a half years, and we will uh, spend uh, ample time developing the Great Tribulation period, which lasts three and a half years. It has a start date. It has an end date. After that, Jesus returns and shows up in Jerusalem. Uh, and so uh, the, uh, the short answer is at the end of the three and a half years. So... Uh, yeah, Kesslin. Um, so is it um, so the real bottom line question, if I can, and correct me if I need to say it different, is uh, This seems pretty simple and straightforward. Why is there so much disagreement that this could be something else or mean something else? Yeah. Um, So the uh, the biggest problem, and and it's it's actually I'm glad the question comes up. I'm fine if it comes up ten more times throughout this study, because in my opinion, one of the greatest hindrances to understanding the Book of Revelation is making things symbolic, which are not symbolic. When you look at 200 million demon horses coming out of hell, 200 million demon horses with snake tails that bite people, everything in us wants to make that symbolic. It's not. It's 200 million demon horses that are going to come out of hell and start biting people with their snake tail. Now that's crazy, but it is not symbolic. The problem is when we start to make things in the book of Revelation or anywhere in the Bible symbolic, we take away the literal meaning of the text. Now it can mean anything. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, Jesus is like a way. You know, he he likes to wave. He's, you know, I mean, you know, like... He likes ways. He's into ways. He, you know, he's, he's a good teacher. He's a good rabbi. And we start to make the Bible not true. We make it symbolic. Now, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life can mean anything. And so now you can make it mean this or this or this or this, and people do. The simplicity is take the Bible at its plain sense meaning. And when we do that, the confusion's gone. But if we make it symbolic, 
then it could be historical. It could have already happened. All those 200 million uh, things, that was 200 million. It was when the population of the earth equaled 200 million because we're all evil. And we're all like, you know, demon snake creatures from hell. So because humans are evil, when we reach 200 million people on the population, that uh, particular trumpet has already been blown. That's crazy. That's crazy. But when you don't have a plumb line, the Bible says what it means and means what it says. When you take that away and now you need to make it symbolic, there is no end to how to interpret. So this group interprets it this way. This group interprets it that It's like, it's, it, I think it, it's actually robbing the, the book of Revelation of its purpose, its meaning, and its value. I actually think it's part of what Jesus warned specifically, don't you do this, when he says don't take away and don't add to. In, in the end of the book of Revelation, we went over that a few weeks ago. So great question. Uh, yes, Caitlin. Great question. It's going to take us a long time to unpack that one. The question is, there's three judgment series, seals, trumpets, and bulls. Why are they called those? Why aren't they just called 21 bad things on a Tuesday? I mean, like, why are, why are they called seals, trumpets, and bulls? And, and the answer to that is a very involved, and that's an insightful question, that whoever asked that question was really thinking about the context of the Bible. That's good. Thinking about what's being written. We're going to spend a whole session introducing the seals, trumpets, and bowls, and explain why each one of those, each one of those words is meaningful. Each one of those words uh, is uh, descriptive. Each one of those series is related to what it is. Is it a seal, a trumpet, or a bowl? Uh, all that. So we'll spend a significant amount of time developing it, but I can't do it justice in a two-minute response. So we will do it. We've got a whole session that that's the objective. So great question. Insightful. Jeremy. So the question is, we've got a three and a half year period of the book of, uh, in the book of Revelation related to the great tribulation period. It's three and a half years uh, long. And we'll, we will prove that point again and again in our study, okay? Um, so once these judgments start, these 21 judgments, are they equally timed out over that three and a half years? Are they all divided? Like, you know, wait a month and a half and then another one a month and a half later and a month and a half. Are they all, how do they break up uh, time-wise? Short version is... Each series gets worse and happens faster. So worse and faster. So the seals are bad and they take the most amount of time. But then the trumpets are way worse and they happen in a much shorter period of time. Then the bowls of wrath are the absolute worst imaginable things ever and they happen in a period of weeks. And we'll be able to prove that and when we get to all this. Part of it you can tell by what's happening in, uh, in nature. You know, uh, all the green grass was burnt up, but then in the next one there's green grass. So it's like, well, how did that green grass grew back? So, I mean, there's just some of those kinds of things that you can kind of, you know, track with uh, to get some of the timing on things. Um, uh, but uh, it's a complicated answer. Uh, but the short, uncomplicated response is, 
Uh, the seals take the most amount of time. The trumpets take uh, a good bit less amount of time. And the bowls happen in rapid succession in a very short period of time. So great question. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.